Better listen very carefully. A good martial artist does not become tense, but ready. Essentially, at this point, the fight is over. So you pretty much flow with the goal. Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Bulletproof for BJJ podcast. I am JT. I'm Joey. What's up? Guys, welcome. Today we will be speaking about what is better for your body, playing guard or passing guard? Mm. Mm, contentious issue, right? There's a lot of people out there saying, oh, guard's submissive, guard's weak. People saying, oh, top game's tough, top game smash. A lot of people out there going, oh, Biron is a king. People playing guard, they're winning lots, they're doing all this. The race to pull guard. Yeah. That we the, see in the lighter divisions. The double, the double <laughs> guard pull. Yeah. You don't see it as much at heavyweight. And people are very emotionally attached their identity to, oh, I'm a, guard, I'm a guardero, I'm a guard player. And then so many memes about guard pullers. Yeah, guard is very central. Like, I mean, the guard is jujitsu. It, it is. It? So it's like the purest kind of. The, the, the art, the heart of fighting off the ground. But we're talking about it in the context of what is better for your body. Because there's a lot of people out there with injuries or they're railroading themselves towards injury. And we're going to talk about what we feel is better for your body. Not what is better for competition success, not what is better as better jujitsu is an opinion, more just like what are you doing to your body when you play guard? What fucks you up less? Yeah, basically, that's what it comes down to. And so if you are coming off the back of an injury or you've got a niggle or even say you're fit and healthy but you can't afford to get injured, what is going to be the safer way for you to do jujitsu? And I'm going to say it right now, guys. Passing guard is easier and better on your body than playing guard. Yeah, yeah. So we're saying top game, right? Top game. And why do I say this? Not because I'm a top game smash kind of guy. I actually spent the majority of my jiu-jitsu career. Motherfucker waits for me to pull guard every time. <laughs> I'm playing top game now, son. I mean, this guy's got to – Well, needs, I've had to up my judo, needs, so I throw him. Mate, he needs to work on his guard. <laughs> so that's why I put him there. <laughs> But no, in truth, I've been I've been doing some judo. I want to work. It's part of my game that I feel is lacking. That's why I work on it. But in truth, I did more injuries in the first two thirds of my jujitsu because I was playing bottom, not because of the way I played bottom. My guard changed over time. Went from a closed guard, half guard, very static to inversions and turning upside down and open guard and all kinds of stuff. But the truth is, it is more taxing. And we're going to break it down for you. Don't just take our opinion on it. Let's analyze what that does to your body. So we see a lot of different injuries, don't we, Joe? We see a lot through jujitsu, a lot of problems. Yeah, heaps of fucking injuries. And I mean, so, we've dealt with heaps ourselves. Of course. And what I'm going to say here is a lot of the injuries, not all, but a majority come from too much flexion. Flexion in the shoulders, like internally rotated. Hip flex is overemphasized. So we're talking rounding of your body. So if you're hunched over, back is rounded, head forward, this is flexion. And then extension being arching Opening the up. other way. Yeah. Yeah. Bridging out. Yes. We, in our day-to-day lives, spend a lot of time in flexion. Here we are, sitting in chairs, sitting in cars, you know, sitting on the couch, on the phone. So much of what we do is anteriorly focused. We're generally, you've got a kid, you've got to cradle your kid, you've got a kid on your hip or you Whatever you're doing, so much of what we do is in front of us. And jujitsu just emphasizes that 
in particular, playing guard. Yeah, absolutely. And it places more load into that position, doesn't it? If we look at some of the, the basic principles of good guard retention. Knees to chest. Keep your knees pinned to your chest. Yeah. Right? Keep, like, keep your arms in. Yep. Stay up, like keep the smaller yep. surface area as you can on Don't the ground extend. so that you can so that you can move. Yep. Good guard retention is staying as flexed as possible. Yeah, that's right. Right? We, what we've got to separate for people is one is a technical approach to what are the most efficient mechanics in order to succeed under this rule set of a game called jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. And the other side of the discussion is what cost does your body pay in order to hit these technical markers? And that's all we're saying is like, you get fucked up by spending this time on the bottom. Yeah, agreed. With this flexion piece, say, someone then driving into you to try and pass your guard and whether they're applying pressure or they're then adding their body weight into your position. Yeah. And you're kind of getting rewarded by staying in that position. Yeah. Right? Like if I'm not going to let them get past my legs because I'm going to keep my knees pinned to my armpits or to my chest. Yeah. Holy shit. You're spending minutes and minutes and minutes here. Like- that was the whole fight, the whole round you just did was seven minutes of them trying to pass and you staying caught Guard up like retention a, and, yeah, trying to invert. Yeah, that's a hell of a strength session of you just working flexion. Flexion. Yeah. Yeah, and then maybe for whatever reason, you don't spend any time counterbalancing that. So you might get away with that for a while. That's okay. But then you get an injury. Maybe you bulge a disc. Maybe, you know, your, your back hurts all the time. Why is my back sore all the time? Because when you're not doing jiu-jitsu, you put all your time and energy into jiu-jitsu, you are not doing any extension work. You're not balancing it out. And really, this is one of the biggest problems. You get an injury. Say you hurt your knee. Before we go there, yeah, can you just talk on, uh, you're talking about bulge disc. What is the relationship between being in a flexed position in the spine and, and bulging a disc. So if we look at the anatomy of the, of the spine without getting too scientific, if you're just listening and you never see this video, that's fine. But understand that most, not, not all, there is, are some exceptions to this, but most disc bulges occur under flexion. So your spine is rounding forward and the, the disc, disc is what sits in between the vertebra. Yeah, right? if we think like of it little, almost little like sack. a little gel sack, like yep. a, a brake pad. And that if you take a certain amount of load through your spine and your vertebrae move in a certain way and you take more load than your ligaments and muscles can, like, so your connective tissues and muscles can support, that load will go directly into the spine. And if there's too much pressure, you can get like a, like a pop. Yeah. And basically the, the structural integrity of the gel sac pops. I don't know if you've ever seen like a basketball that gets an egg. Yeah. Right? It's almost like that. And then the inside lining pushes out. Yeah. It's very similar, but that can then push on nerves. Like Jai Track when she fought Wang Jai Li. <laughs> Off her head. Yeah. No, look, <laughs> that kind of bulge? It's a confusing metaphor. <laughs> Not <too> similar. <laughs> <laughs> Just this massive egg. No, it's actually a much more smaller and nuanced. But sure, you can imagine that if you like. The problem with it is because you have so many nerves innovating from your spine, it puts pressure on them and this can result in massive amounts of shooting pain down your leg. It can result in not paralysis but like muscles seizing up and not relaxing and these take a long time to heal. Here's the thing. Habitually in your life, you're in flexion. A lot of the time when people are rehabilitating disc bulges, they have to do extension work in a very slow easy controlled way and then they have to strengthen that and it's all this time that you lose from having an extreme case of flexion under load 
Now, we're not saying if you play guard, you're going to herniate your discs. That's not what we're saying. But if you are out there and you're playing guard and you're starting to get pain in your lower back and you feel like you can't stretch your hips. It's, and a, risk, is, it's, it's a risk factor. It Absolutely. is. But don't get me wrong. As much as there is some flexion in passing guard, if you look at the modern you know, guard passing, you're not down on your knees just rucking in like a rugby player. You're standing up. You're moving around. It's a much more mobile on the feet game. So there's a lot more agility involved and you have to be able to keep good posture. I mean, there's times when you might pressure in, but for you to successfully really put pressure into another person, you have to keep your back kind of straight-ish. Yeah, I mean, you. yeah, yeah, you might – there might be a degree of flexion, but it's nowhere near under the load that it's in, say, when someone's trying to stack past you. Definitely. Like if I'm putting your knees over your head oh. and I'm chin's getting crushed to your chest so you got that upper back flexion. Fully rounded. But then we're also like because the knees are shoved into the mats and the hips are up, it's putting all this pressure on your lower back. It's an extremely unique and great amount, like enormous amount of load through the lower back in that position. That's almost like you, you'd be hard pressed to replicate that anywhere else. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Your feet are in the air. They're dangling. You can't form tension through your legs. You can't form tension through, through your glutes, glutes or your hips. Like you, which is the major stabilizers for your pelvis. And, and then also how that sets up your kinetic, your posterior chain for those muscles to be able to contract. So, yeah, we can see clips of really flexible, bendy people doing these things and it looks cool. We want to do it. But understand this, your risk of injury there is so much higher. And once you are injured, and if any of you out there hearing this, if you've bulged a disc and you've had that pain, you know what that is. You don't want to go back there. That's the last place you want to be. So the next step on this, we'll step away from the spine, spinal. We're going to go to knees. I'm going to actually say knees is a big issue when it comes to guard playing as opposed to passing. This is why. We're going to talk about in the context of like um, an open chain or a closed chain movement. So when we refer to this in the gym, you can look at a squat, barbell on your back, barbell squat, or any kind of a squat, your feet are based. This is a closed chain movement, two, two feet on the ground, closed chain. But I'm saying if we look at a movement like a leg extension machine where somebody is sitting and they are extending their leg, and their foot is not based, this is an open chain movement. Yeah. So let's relate this back to a guard scenario if you're playing open guard you know someone i'm i'm not sure if you could really turn because no one really talks about jujitsu this way i'm not sure if you could say a spider guard is closed chain i'm not sure if you could say that because there's moments where you lose tension right jujitsu is very asymmetrical it's very rare that you have your feet very evenly placed tension both legs etc but look at lasso right you are like taking your leg around, your foot is hanging out in the air, and you've got a whole lot of tension through your lower limb, your quadricep, your hip, but your foot is not based in any way. So as much as you are forming tension through a bit in your quad, a bit in your hamstring, your leg is just dangling in the air. And this is actually much more precarious than if you had your foot based on the ground. Say you were trying to pass the guard, you've got a low base, you've got your combat base, whatever it might be, and you're you're trying to negotiate the guard, your foot is planted on the ground, even though your stance may be asymmetrical, it is far easier for you to form tension through your quads, your calves, your hamstrings when your foot is based on the ground. Yeah. 
So in terms of your knees, whether you have an injury or you don't have an injury, don't get me wrong. If you've got a really wild guard playing partner, like we had this guy at uh, Absolute called Crazy Legs. He was very flexible, but he's also a big, strong guy. And he would just flail. So you were probably going to get a black eye. So, you know, if you've got a real wild guard player, you might still get injured by getting kicked in the face. But if we're talking about potential knee injuries, you having your feet in the air and trying to leg pummel and do a variety of things, your knee is less stable than if your foot was based on the ground. That's the context in which I'm kind of talking about here. Yeah, I think like you can even like try this. Like you're standing in your combat base or, you know, in your fight stance – and you're standing on the ground, you can reach down and like feel the tension through your legs, through your hips, your glutes are working, quads on a little bit, hammies on, calves, like all the muscles of the leg and hip are like on right now versus you're on your back. I'm trying to like stack past you and you're like egg beatering, like pummeling your legs back in. Those muscles are not all on in the same way. No. And and it's, and yes, when you establish your guard, you can then create tension and create this connection and that can activate things. But when it's this scrambly kind of flaily part where you're pummeling and, and, and it's this more haphazard piece, there's a, there's a real lack of tension going on there, isn't there? And yeah. that's when particularly the knees, the ankles, the hips are under threat. Definitely. And if we think about how the knee stabilizes, quads are super important. Quads are super important. But when we're playing guard and we're pulling our knees into our chest – we're talking about flexion versus extension, right? Your quads are extensors. They straighten the leg. Now, obviously in jiu-jitsu, we never want to have our leg fully extended or have our arm fully extended. We're always trying to juggle it. But if you think about guard, you're pulling your knees to your chest and your heels to your butt. This is hip flexors on, hamstrings on. Quads aren't doing a lot. And I don't know if you guys have ever had this where you've had somebody jam your heel into your butt really suddenly. And your knee suddenly goes into flexion. You're like, ah, oh, that wasn't comfortable because there was no tension around the joint supporting it. You just have your leg jammed into a weird spot under like their load without your muscles supporting the joint. And this can create pinching, you know, like tears in the meniscus, all kinds of things. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that is, that is when you are at the greatest risk of tearing something, right? Yeah. Like your joint gets pushed into a position. No tension through those tissues. That's, that's right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's where you can fuck shit up. Yeah, and so let's now take it to a dealing with injury perspective. Regardless of whether it's an upper body, lower body, back, neck, if you're lying on your back, you will be using your neck. If you're lying on your back, like trying to sit up, you are going to be using a lot of your core musculature, right? If you're lying on your back, even though if you have a knee injury, you've got your leg in the air, you're thinking, oh, there's not much load in my leg. As soon as someone grabs your foot or grabs your your gee pants and leg drags you, you're no longer under control of that leg. <laughs> like it's, it's no longer a choice for you now. Whereas if you are standing up and you – have a knee injury or an ankle injury or anything, you get a certain level of feedback from how much weight you put on your leg. If you can't put all of your weight in your leg, you probably shouldn't be rolling. Let's be honest. Because someone might shove you to that leg trying to sweep you and then it's your weight, their weight multiplied and then you're falling over and you might re-injure yourself. But as a feedback mechanism, if you're coming back from injury, doing some drilling from the top position, it's much more under your control. So you're like, hey, I can't kneel here. Can we do the other side? Or, hey, I I can't put all my weight in that leg. Can you not sweep me that way? 
you know, like you're getting that sensory feedback. When you're lying on your back and your guard and your legs in the air, you're like, ah, it feels fine. Yeah, I can work from here. And then you're fine until you're not. Yeah. So when, when you're dealing with injury and you're coming back, if you're trying to work out, man, how do I get back on the mats? I, I'm not sure what I should be doing. My recommendation as somebody who's hurt every single major joint in their body, the, the kind of slow integration or the slow coming back without doing yourself any mischief would actually be to start by doing some kind of guard passing drills and some stuff where you, you very much have your own body under your control. Yep. And that's going to require an understanding training partner as well to let you do that. Absolutely. Maybe one condition to the, you know, talking about the perils of playing the bottom position is if you go to something like a close guard, yeah. a close guard can be more safe for an individual because you're kind of locking the position up, you're closing the legs, you're wrapped around that, you're taking away a lot of the um, – the chaotic nature of these transitions in open guards. But it's very de- – like keeping your guard closed is very demanding. Absolutely. If it's, you've got some joint integrity issues. Yeah, I mean you know I didn't I mean? fuck like, with it when I was coming back from the knee. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, I mean like – I mean keeping your guard closed against any like hard opponent, you know, whether your joints are 100% or not is hard. Yeah. So that's – I yeah, I agree with you. Like yeah, closed guard is – is more controlled, but it just demands more of you to be able to stay there and work from there. And invariably at a certain point you will open your guard. Yeah, it's true. You know, it does happen. Whether it's forced open or you choose to. Part of the reason why I have shifted my attention away from, not, not that I don't play guard, I play, play guard as much as I play uh, on top. What I do find is that I eat a lot more, <laughs> like I cop a lot more from the bottom. You know, I'm more the nail than the hammer. <laughs> right. Like, you know, even though it's not a problem, it's like part of the game in terms of getting kneed in the head or cross, cross-faced or like twisted or Right, you bumped. get more beaten up. Yeah, I find that I come out of sessions feeling much more – I mean, don't get me wrong. When I do judo and I get thrown on the ground a hundred times, man, I'm feeling sore from that. But I'm not talking specifically about takedowns. I'm talking when I say no – Joe, I am not going to pull guard against you. We're either having a stand-up war or you're pulling guard. I find I come out of those sessions. The only thing that I really feel the most is probably my fingers yeah. because I'm grouping a lot, whether, you know, gi or no gi. I'm, I'm always trying to grip and control, but my back feels fine, neck feels fine. It's true. Your hips are less tight. I mean, how about yourself, Joe? You've done the knee surgery thing. You've come back. You've done extensive rehab. You do ongoing work. Where did you feel most vulnerable when you were? Oh, undoubtedly on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Because I like to play X guard and I suppose my leg was just not working, you know, wasn't working particularly well for a long time. So it was what I found was my guard was getting passed easier, which then meant I had to work twice as hard to recover back Mm. to a shitty guard. Right. And – it just meant that, yeah, I was copying heaps of damage because the, the thing is, like say we all look at, um, for people listening, you look at rubber guard, you look at these rubber guard assassins, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and you're like, wow, look at the way they just grab their leg just and pump. reef it over in front of someone's face. Yeah. And you're like, that's fucked for your knee. Like your <laughs> knee is absolutely getting fucked right now. But you can do it, yeah. right? Same way when someone passes my guard and I'm like, holy shit, my guard's about to get passed by this blue belt. Sure. Right? I'm like, Scramble. I'm getting my fucking leg in front of their face. I yeah. don't care how it happens. Find a way. 
there's a price that is paid for fighting to this degree where it's like I'm just getting my leg back in. So I'm going to fucking – I'm going to invert. I'm going to turn. I'm going to bring the leg in. Lower back's getting fucked up. Hip flexors are getting super jacked. Yeah. You know, my knee's getting all this weird pressure put through it. But in the moment when you're warm – Dude, you, it's the game. Yeah, you can get away with it, right? You just got to make it happen. Exactly right. So – that whole like that scenario of like I got to get my guard back or I got to fucking not let them pass. There's a, there's a, like I'm paying a price every time I go to that realm. Whereas when I'm on top, and this is assuming I'm not getting swept and then just having to play from the bottom. Of course, right, which, which assume, does happen. Yeah, yeah, assuming you're like, all right, you can maintain a top position. Yeah, you got other issues to play with. Yes, there are other risk factors, but you're not dealing with any of that shit. Yeah, no one is compressing my lower back when I'm on top. Yeah. No one is like grabbing my 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 chin and like pumping it into my chest and compressing my my uh, cervical spine. Yeah. So it's like yeah, other risk factors but definitely not those ones. And so for someone yes, yeah, having coming back from the knee surgery, I found that top position was just way safer for me. Yeah. I was in way more control. I could deal with you know, I had new problems, but I wasn't I didn't feel as physically threatened. Yeah. And certainly my knee didn't because my knee's out of the equation. Yeah. Right? Unless I'm stepping in and then well, then, yeah. Getting but, leg entangled, another story. But, but that's right, because then some people are going to be like, well, how about leg locks? Yeah, they don't work. <laughs> well, look, if, you've, if, if you think you're a candidate for knee surgery or you've had knee surgery, it might be as a result of a leg lock. Maybe you need to leave them alone for a little while. <laughs> We're talking about coming back from injury here, people. So let's just... Well, it's, it's like on that, though, from a, from a jiu-jitsu technique perspective, I found that um, there was a point with at Alliance where I train where... Uh, I I used to just play shin to shin and pull everyone into my X guard. Yeah. And it worked really well. Sure. And then at some point someone asked the coach, hey, Joe keeps getting nailing this. And coach was like, hey, guys, <laughs> today we're workshopping how not to let Joe get his guard <laughs> and, and I came in and all of a sudden people are beating it. No one will let me get my shin close to their shin. Yeah, right. Everyone's legs are back yeah. and they're driving into the guard with the upper body, more of right. a pressure pass. Right. And that's been fucking me up for like 12 months now. <laughs> but my point is what was beautiful about that is their legs are out of the equation. Yes. And so, you know, whatever. You play however you want to play. But if you were someone who's like, I don't really trust my knee or I got a little injury there, I just want to play like that. Play this more of this upper body pressure passing style. Your legs are under way less threat. That's true. And I, I, I want to move this kind of chat to more like a longevity piece because this is something that no one talks about in jiu-jitsu, right? We look at somebody like uh, Mikey Musumeci who is incredibly flexible. He's also incredibly strong and is just a, a, an exceptional physical and also jiu-jitsu mind, right? He, absolute exception. I have heaps of people saying, oh, man, I want to have that Mikey Musumeci squat. It's never going to happen. You are not going to have that range. It's super deep squat? It's not just deep. He can sit into the squat and then touch both his knees down to the ground and come back up. All uh, right. Like, like butt to the floor kind of vibe. Well, he goes butt to the floor and then touches his knees. Yeah. Internally rotates. So, like, he's an exception. Mm. You can't think that you are going to touch that degree of range. And don't, don't imagine that that is a good thing for your body. Like, yeah, yeah. There, there are exceptions and people can do lots of really crazy things. You're like, oh, look at Paul Amiel not tapping his knee bar. His knee's bending inside out. Like, that's what I want. Well, <laughs> I want the knee that bends the wrong way but, 
and I can still walk on it. But it's not going to happen because he had surgery and he had to have 12 months off competition. That's right. And it's going to be a fucking long, like from probably 40 to whatever, is going to be some fucking tough years. It's a lot of pain. And you've put your body under that kind of pressure and load and And, damage. And yeah, we look at the glory, but it's the same thing with MMA fighters. Yeah, look at Max Holloway. He's talking so much shit here. He's getting hit. He's dodging. He's hitting back. Try and get Max to put a couple of words together. He's like the dumber <laughs> BJ Penn. It's a frustrating thing because he's a seems like a lovely guy. Was a great champion. He's taken a lot of damage. The thing that we don't talk about in jiu-jitsu is how do we stay in the game longer? Because we only care about that sexy part where someone's young and they're hot and they're killing it. And then, oh, they fell off. Oh, why haven't I heard about that person for a couple of years? Because they completely fucked themselves. Yeah. That should not be you. You shouldn't be approaching your jiu-jitsu with this real samurai, do-or-die mindset, don't tap, let it snap kind of attitude. It's like it makes no sense because when we look at the reality of the surgeries, the money, the painkillers, they're just – Reduce that, quality of life. Reduce quality of life. But that was a – we actually had this discussion and I, you know, don't let me misspeak on this one, Joe. But I remember when we chatted about it that before your surgery, you're like – you'd said to me, we'd kind of gone back and forth. You said, oh, no, it'll be good in the sense I can have my leg up, I can just get down to some of this administrative stuff I've been meaning to work on and it'll give me a chance to work on this stuff. That was before. And then the reality was what though? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I I, I was thinking I'm going to have this knee surgery but I'm going to be late. i got two weeks where I'm basically on the couch and in bed and then it's going to be, you know, a pretty fucking inactive couple of months. But yeah, great. I can catch up on all this bulletproof stuff and things that we've wanted to build and blah, blah, blah. And then I was just in a fucking drug-induced painkiller haze and, you know, and also under quite a bit of pain and couldn't focus for, you know, two months. And I I didn't get shit done. Yeah, man. I watched a little bit of Netflix. But (laughs) but you're like, oh, this is is not what I thought it was going to be at all. This is a horrible – not a horrible experience. but Oh, yes, it is. But it's not like I can just um, go do something else and be productive. It's like, no, 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 your your body's all fucked up and you're on drugs and – yeah, like you're pressing pause on a lot of things in life yeah, for a long you, period of time. It's not just like, oh, I can't walk. I'll just do other stuff. No, you got to deal train with up a body. Yeah, bro, yeah. I'm just doing pull-ups in my wheelchair. Yeah. No, you're not. I mean, that. don't get us wrong. If you've got a smaller injury, yes, it's all right. But we're talking when you've got a catastrophic one, surgery level. Yeah, the rehab's shit. And so it's very disruptive to your life. So relating this back to you doing jiu-jitsu – and you going, oh, what do I work on? I'm not sure. So Simon, uh, one of our new guys, he's, he's an old gentleman. He's in his 50s. He's a savage. He's a builder. He's got iron grips. So oh, he does, strong. Yeah. He's such strong grips. And he's an intense guy. Lovely guy. But he's like, I can't afford to get injured. But he rolls really hard. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, man, you, gotta, you just got to dial down a little bit. And he's like, no, nah, but I need my body for my job. Like I want to do jujitsu and I want to do it as much as I can because I love it. You know, I'm a, I'm a tradesman. I need, to, I need to build stuff. It's like that's how I make my money. So I can't afford to get injured here. It's like, okay, well, let's consider this. Have you considered tennis? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> some golf. <laughs> Slow it down a little. No, never do that. I, I just said to him, look, you're going to have to do a little bit more body maintenance. But the other thing is too, we can teach you anything and everything in jiu-jitsu. We can teach you to invert. We can teach you to do that. But if we're looking at what takes a lower toll on your body and you want to get the most out of your three days a week at jiu-jitsu, this isn't to say you don't learn guard or you don't do it. But if you think about, hey, 
I'm going to be rolling and where do I want to be to be less risky? Try to play to the top. Try to do that. It doesn't mean you can't get injured from on top. Someone could just jump a guillotine on you and then break your neck. Joe Worthington. <laughs> <laughs> you said that when I fucked that guy's up. <laughs> what do you mean am I talking? Of course I'm talking about that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, we're not saying like never play guard again, but we're just trying to point out, hey, there's, there are risks and there are different risks associated with playing on the bottom versus playing on the top. You know, something that I can speak to for me for a long time was there's a personally, and this is not a slight on guard pullers, but for me, I pulled guard for a long time because I was just being fucking lazy. Sure. I was just being super lazy. I, I yeah, just it's easier. go and slam hands and then just like go in and like and pull guard and usually like people would just pass it. And then I was like, again, fighting super hard to try and get to an okay position to then get back on top. And it was like, it, I think it wasn't until I trained with Adam, he was like, stop doing that. Yeah. And then I was like, okay. Like, but my point was, was that like I was doing it unnecessarily and I was doing it unintentionally. Right. And if we're thinking about longevity, there's obviously like you're trying to build a game, you're trying to build a style of jiu-jitsu, but you also want to build a style of jiu-jitsu that you can ideally maintain for a long period of time, like for, forever. Sure. So yeah, you're going to get damaged. That's, that's inherent in the game. But if we can reduce the damage that you're getting, you know, by 2% mm. on a daily basis when you train, that's actually quite significant when you extrapolate it out to 12 months, 24 months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look – this, I actually got this from uh, Robert Drysdale. It was kind of interesting doing his seminar. He was talking about the efficiency. So even though getting two guard is efficient, you don't have to fight hard. Like wrestling so labor-intensive. Judo is so labor-intensive. The gripping, the fighting. But the payoff is if you end up being the person who's doing the takedown as opposed to the takedown E, you, you're less likely to get injured. Like the majority of injuries that occur from stand-up fighting is the person who gets taken down. Right. So the barrier to entry there is if you suck at stand-up grappling, you're more likely to get injured in the process of getting good at it. But once you're good at it, you're pretty safe. You know, like you're doing well because you control where it goes next. If you know your takedown well, you know where it's going to end up. But this is the thing I want to say. Sure, pulling guard is less labor intensive. Like you're saying, you were kind of being lazy with it. But if we're just talking efficiency, if you've got to do multiple, multiple rounds, you're like, it's way easier for me to just pull guard as opposed to trying to have this stand-up war because you don't know what's going to happen, right? But this is what I want to say. What Drysdale had said to me is, let's think about this. When you're passing, gravity is on your side. Gravity is pulling you into the person. Gravity is supporting you. When you're playing guard, not only are you fighting your opponent, you are also fighting gravity. That's a good point. This is hard work. So yes, if you have strong, tight hip flexors and a really strong core and flexible hips, is it easy for you and efficient for you? Yes, that is true. But if you have stiff knees, stiff hips, a tight lower back, you're going to have to do so much work to just put yourself in a fight-ready position to do that. Yeah. Whereas it is absolutely less labor intensive for you to improve your hip mobility a bit, ankle mobility a bit, knee mobility a bit to be able to play from the top, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And so I always think this, as much as I love guard and I actually think, you know, there's so many good back takes from different guard positions. It's like, it is magical to watch. And when you pull it off, you're like, yeah, nailed it. 
the worst thing, and I was saying this about deep half guard to uh, Jeremy, one of my students, you're going to cop a lot of pressure. You're going to be eating a lot of groin in the face. You're getting a lot of wear and tear on your ribs. So even though it is a very effective sweeping position, you need to know you're going to cop it from there. Yeah. And so overall- I think to Ollie from, uh, from Alliance who's, who plays a lot of deep half. He loves deep half. And, you know, half the time he pulls, he's really good at pulling it. Half the time he'll, it goes up and down, but half the time he'll be successful in sweeping me with yep. it. Half the time I will just cross face the fucking shit just out of his head <laughs> until he lets me pass. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's 50% effective. Well, but there's a big, yeah, there's a, but no, a lot of cross face. But I mean, that's Ollie. But I mean, even like go to Bernardo, right? He's deep half game so effective, but he always had facial grazes. He always had deep gouges in around his Dude. eyebrows and cheeks and like, but he's a tough guy. He just ate that and was like, I'm prepared to cop it but also had a lot of injuries too. Yeah. So if we circle back around to what is better for your body, and we're talking about longevity. We're talking about you being a human, sitting in chairs, driving cars, doing your job. Flexion is the root cause of so, like loaded flexion in particular, is the root cause of so many injuries. When we look at people playing on top, there is more extension involved, standing up out of guard extending your hip like there's so much more of that and the supporting musculature of your calves hamstrings quads glutes lower back they function better together with your feet based on the ground so can you use your legs from guard and use your hammies and your quads yeah of course you totally can and it you know like if you're really good at guard playing not saying oh you've suddenly got to change your game but if you bulge a disc because old mate fucking 120 kilos sprawls on you in a stack, are you going to be doing beer and bolos? No. Like you, you're going to have to give that away for a little while. It's not to say you couldn't come back to it. You are going to have to spend some time working on your extension. You're going to have to spend some time stabilizing your spine. And those opportunities are available to you playing from the top. Even if that hurts your meow brother, guard pulling heart. <laughs> You'll thank us in 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's the thing, guys. So the reason why I wanted to bring this up was I, I was having a, a pretty in-depth conversation with a friend of mine who doesn't believe in top game but has some really bad ankles and some really bad knees and is like, I'm struggling. What do I do? Doesn't believe in top game. No. Just thinks it's like inefficient and it's ah. old school and like why would you bother when you can just take the back like this and da, da, da. But that, that said, he's younger than me. He's 12 years old. He's 20 – 26 years old and he's already feeling aged through the ankles and the knees and he's like man lasso's killing my knees man every time i do this someone tries to grab my foot and i turn and i'm but he's like i'm in pain when i'm not doing jujitsu he's 26 years old so whether you've got injuries or you don't i am going to put it to you my friends that for longevity passing the guard is better for your body than playing the guard there it is, folks. Take it or leave it. <laughs> I put it out there. Anyway, so for you guys out there, we have just released our new program, Standards Program, and we'd love to get your feedback. Uh, we want you to give it a crack. Now, there's some people out there, like we have always promoted um, training uh, two days a week uh, with you know other bits and pieces, but we want you to elevate your standard. 
That's what it comes down to. We want people to be stronger. We want people to do a bit more. Now, well, originally when yeah. we set it out, we set it out to two workouts, didn't we, Joe? Yeah, we wanted to try to keep the two workout thing, but because standards integrates mobility and strength, we just came to it was either going to be two really long workouts mm-hmm. or three smaller ones. And we're like, let's go three smaller ones. Yeah. The beauty is, and we've said this on the on the program, is that you can do it in a week or you can do it in 10 days. True. So if you're the kind of person who's like, no, look, I can only go to the gym twice a week, then you just do two workouts per week and you'll do the third one the next week. And, the, you know, like it kind of cycles on. Over. Yeah. Yeah. So seven or 10 days, whatever. I mean, some people are like doing it fucking six days a week that's right they're doing it twice you go at whatever pace you want but the yep. beauty is is that the the 12 key standards the jt and i believe are the keys to strength and mobility in a way that is most specific for jiu-jitsu are all developed within this one program and so that's that's the beauty of it. it's like a really tidy package it's all there i was training it yesterday yep. workout took me like 48 minutes nice you know and obviously i'm a bit more comfortable with the movements and stuff once you're in it it moves pretty quick and that was with a 10 minute warm-up for the most part there are progressions within if you log into the program bulletproofbjj.com and then you click on the standards for the most part the a series and the b series there's progressions but then we have some accessory work, which is there designed to help you get stronger and get better at those different movements, but they don't have the same progressions in terms of new moves for you to do. The way that you progress them is by gradually getting stronger and putting a bit more load and gradually building it up in that way. And it will change over time, guys. And that's the great thing about the program. We are still in the process of absolutely perfecting it. So you giving us feedback enables us to make it better for you. So what we'd love is for you to email us, hit us up, let us know what you think of it once you've tried it. And also just recently we had a really good example of someone testing their standards and sending us a video. So ultimately what we'd love to do with you guys is have you video you doing the movements when you feel you're ready, like not just yet, obviously play with it, but when you're ready and you're like, yeah, I wanna get my blue belt across all standards. And this is the key. If you're like a black belt at pull-ups, but you can't touch your toes at forward fold, like in your white belt, then you need to put time and energy on that. Mm-hmm. But once you feel ready and you feel like, yeah, I reckon I can competently do all 12 standards to the blue belt level, record it, send it to us, let us know where you're at and we can sign off on it and say, yeah, you are to the blue belt standard for Bulletproof for BJJ. Absolutely. Show us your standard. That's it. All right, my friend. Thank you, Joey. Thank you, my bro. Cheers, guys. Thanks, guys.